Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, Season 4, Episode 5, for Saturday the 3rd of July 2021. Coming up this week, it is the final Self-Publishing Journeys podcast. I'm going to be signing out for the last time today, but not before bringing you right up to date with my writing life. I'm going to be reviewing my quarter two goals and looking ahead to quarter three and beyond. I'll also let you know how the Digital Nomad project has been going as it nears its conclusion next week. We'll start, though, with general news, and I've got quite a lot of it, to be honest with you. So let's start with my Bargain Booksy promo, which I think I mentioned to you in passing at the last diary that I did a couple of weeks ago. I had a bargain booksy on my Sci-Fi 7-pack, which is now wide. I'm listing that wide because I've been unable to replicate the success that my 12-pack has had in KDP Select. Now, I'm not ruling out coming back to that and trying it again, but at the moment, one, it's in what I call a chugging position. By chugging, I mean, I'm not really paying much attention to it, but I, I don't want to abandon it. So I'm putting it into a environment where it will just do the best on its own momentum, of its own impetus. So I've put it in wide. I've put the secret bunker one and I've put the grid one on perma-free and then without me having to do anything or pay particular attention to it, I am shifting now copies of the grid one and the secret bunker one and people are reading through and I'm beginning to see the sales obviously of you know the grid two and three and secret bunker two and three in my sales panel and what that means is I don't have to be doing promos all the time and things like that and with the sci-fi seven pack that's listed wide and my strategy with that is to just put promos on it so I had a bargain booksy it was for sale at, I think it was 99 pence and cents, so it was a great value sci-fi deal. It had uh, moderate results. I think I probably broke even on it uh, across the board, looking at the, the KDP results and the uh, the Google, the Drafter Digital and the Kobo results. I think it was you know fairly, not really sure whether it broke even or not, but it was either a little bit off it or slightly over it. It was roundabout breaking even. So all it really served to do was to shift some copies. i got to tell you with that, because that is such good value, either free or at that price, I really feel that I need to get a cover on that, a decent cover on that. So I am going to look at doing that and, and reflecting on the cover that I use to promote that book, because that ought to fly off the shelves. Frankly, even if the books were rubbish, seven books for zero or 99 pence and cents ought to fly off the shelves in a promo. So there's something blocking that, and I think it is the cover. So I'm going to pay some attention to that when I get back to my desk in the UK. I've been playing around with softwares. I think I mentioned to you that I've been looking at Dabble. I'm, I'm looking for a Scrivener alternative, not because I'm unhappy with Scrivener, not at all because I'm unhappy with Scrivener. I'm very happy with Scrivener and have been for a long time. But being out here for a month, I can't take Scrivener with me on a Chromebook. I've got a cronky Windows PC here. I basically paid something like 200 quid for a Windows PC so that I could record these podcasts and use Camtasia on that PC because that's not a cloud-based software. I can use Scrivener. I've got Scrivener on this PC, but it takes forever to open up. So, so my options really are that I could pay I've been researching this. I could pay a couple of thousand for a Windows laptop, which was faster and could cope with me having lots of windows open, much like my, my PC will. Uh, but if you're traveling, I think that if you've got a PC that's worth two, three thousand pounds, 
I'm a bit nervous about traveling with that. Number one, if it gets broken, number two, if it gets stolen. So to me, the Chromebook is the ideal uh, travel companion when you're abroad. But this existing Chromebook was inverted commas an expensive Chromebook and that it cost, I think, slightly over 300 pounds. It was around 300 pounds. It's got a nice uh, metal sort of chassis. So it feels quite like a, a MacBook Pro, but nowhere near the price of that. And I love Chromebooks for speed and simplicity. And this new generation Chromebook even runs apps from the Google Play Store, which is fantastic because I can watch, for instance, Netflix in the app on this. And I've got Trello on the app. Most of the apps that I use in my business that I have on my phone, I've now got on my PC as well. So I can actually, I can edit audio in here. And of course, I could always use something like Google Drive to write my books in. But I need something more sophisticated than that. So I, look, I looked at Dabble. Dabble's not quite there yet. They, they need to kind of get moving really with their developmental process. They just need more in it. There's nothing wrong with it at all. It's just not featured enough yet for, for my tastes. And really, I think what I'm looking for if I switch software is I'm looking for something that will combine what I got from the Novel Factory what I get from Scrivener and what I get from Vellum, you know, that, and it needs to be in the cloud and it needs to be multi-device. Uh, now, I was listening to Matty Dalrymple's podcast this week and it just reminded me that there's a new kid on the block or it's coming on the block soon, which is called Atticus. And this is a software which uh, Dave Chesson is behind. So we all know, you know Dave supports his softwares, he promotes them properly, he provides great support for them. And obviously Dave is completely involved in the indie author industry so you know there's a man who ought to know what a software needs for writers and I was it just reminded me I, I, Atticus has been sort of at the back of my mind but I, I did a bit more research on Atticus and I'm signed up for the early notification list but Atticus is going to be a cloud-based software which is what I want it's going to be multi-device it works on Chromebooks which is what I want it's good to have cloud backups which is what I insist on at the moment the cloud backups with Scrivener are a little bit manual in that you need to save your Scrivener files to a folder which automatically syncs in your Dropbox account so it doesn't automatically do it you have to set it up so that it, it backs up and also you can get into difficulties with Scrivener if you get your version control mixed up you know if you if your backups aren't quite right on multi-devices you can overwrite your latest version of the Scrivener um, sort of backup so to me um, using my crystal ball my feeling is is that you know we shouldn't be using softwares now as a rule, which are only available as downloads. If you've got a downloadable software, you need to be transitioning that. Now, it can be in a multi-device app, which is the future, in my opinion, something that works on Chromebooks, Windows PCs, and, and Mac PCs. And in that respect, you know, Vellum 2 kind of needs to watch the, to the future because I know it's only Mac-based, but really my view is that it needs to be app-stroke, uh, you know, cloud-based cloud uh, to survive in the long term because this is the way the internet is going and that's just you know that's just me mr amateur uh, reading the tea leaves about the future of softwares but that that's my view and that's what i want you know bearing in mind um, i'm going to be doing more traveling and i want to work on the road this is what i need so with atticus dave is, is going to provide all those things it's going to have the planning in that we all want and that we like in scrivener and, and i think plotter's Plotters tried to, to move into that zone, but Atticus is going to have that sort of planning, that, that card approach to planning where you can put things on cards and move them around. Um, so 
So that's good. It's got a plotting device in there. It's going to have a writing device in there, which is the Scrivener part of it. And I hope I hope he re gets that right, um, you know, so it looks okay and you can customise it. I really hope he gets that, that writing interface correct. But also Atticus is going to allow you to create your EPUB files. It is all EPUBs now, I think, isn't it? And, uh, because uh, Amazon now is using EPUBs as well. Uh, so your EPUB files and your paperback versions too. So if he gets that right, he could possibly, you know, potentially grasp the market here. And if he gets all that right, you know, clearly I would rather use an all-in-one device that I don't have to log into Mac in Cloud for, like I do with Vellum. So if he gets it right, Atticus is looking like a really promising development, I think. So I'm going to look at Atticus. But I discovered something else this week. It's a program called WaveMaker which actually meets most of those criteria, uh, except it doesn't do the, the formatting. Uh, WaveMaker is at wavemaker.co.uk, and it allows me to do everything I love about Scrivener. It backs up in the cloud. It automatically backs up to Google Drive, which is great. You don't have to you set it up once and off it goes. It has version control, so it saves all the versions of the book that you've written, and it meets all my criteria and until i remembered atticus i was thinking of jumping in with wavemaker.co.uk uh, the only reason that i was nervous about wavemaker.co.uk is that it doesn't have a subscription model now if you're new to this podcast you won't know that years ago now it must be almost 10 years ago maybe nine years ago i developed a facebook software in the early days of, of facebook when it was really brilliant for marketing and you didn't need to pay for ads for it so I, I know a little about software development and one of the things i can tell you is that software takes a lot of time things change with software and you constantly have to update it so therefore you i my view is with a software you need to have a model which allows for ongoing uh, updates and developments because you don't just create a software and forget all about it things are constantly changing so if it doesn't have a proper subscription model a way of paying the person who creates it and updates it then the chances are in my view most times it's just going to flail and die because basically the person who is supporting it and, and has no financial model for supporting the software is at some point going to say, you know, it's just life's worth more than this. I keep getting all these support tickets. No one's paying me. It's costing me to do all of this. You know, this is not a viable business. So really, when you commit to a software in the long term, you want to look for an ongoing financial model. This is why I'm surprised Scrivener haven't introduced an ongoing monthly model one-off payments, uh, you know, don't support the development of a software unless you're shifting a lot every month and the cash flow is coming in. Generally, for a software, you want to look for an ongoing subscription model because people have to get paid for the work that they do. So the problem with WaveMaker, although it's a brilliant piece of software, is it doesn't have a subscription model. It has a, a Patreon, you know, support me as you go along uh, model, but it doesn't have a formal paid subscription model. And so much as I love WaveMaker, I would be very very, very wary of committing it, committing to it in the long term because it doesn't have that subscription model. But I did think it was a great bit of software. And for instance, I would certainly commit to it for a short term, like the next book or something like that. I'd certainly do that. But for the long term, I'm looking for something more like Atticus. So if you haven't signed up for Atticus, I think it's Atticus.io, if I remember correctly, the URL. Uh, sign up for the waiting list and do check that out because I have very high hopes. Please, Dave, please get it really good and right. 
And uh, you know, if you want to stick me on beta testing, stick me on the beta testing for it because you know I know a bit about software. I'm all I'm into interfaces and usability and all these sorts of things. I've done a lot of tests. I've done um, was it WordPress plugins and things where we've done usability and user testing and all that sort of thing. You know, I really, really want Dave to get this right because I want there to be one software to rule them all. That will do us all a huge, huge favour. So I, I really hope Dave gets that you know good and right. And it solves a problem for all of us, frankly. Okay, I was listening to Jerry Avanoff's podcast, or I shouldn't say Jerry Avanoff's podcast because it's Jerry and Lindsay Avanoff's podcast these days. Sorry, Jerry, it's just a, a bad habit from the old days from listening to you from day one. But um, Jerry's podcast, um, the new author podcast, Jerry was just talking about bookbub ads the other day and how he's considering looking at bookbub ads. And, and you know what it's like? I, I always feel as a, an indie author, you're juggling all these sort of plates. Uh, in the UK, if you're a child of the 70s, you remember on Blue Peter, you used to get these plate balancers on where they're all balancing loads of plates on sticks. That's what it's like running an indie author career. And sometimes you forget a plate and a, and a, and a plate, it might wobble a bit and you have to rush over to it. And that's how I feel that I am with my book bub ads in that I haven't completely discounted them. They're just not the low hanging fruit in my business. The low hanging fruit in my business is Facebook ads. They're continuing to work very well for me, even if it is at a, as a lower level than it was when I was hitting those five figure months. It, they're still performing for me uh, very well and that's where I'm getting my return. Amazon ads um, are bringing in a return for me too. I have to watch them slightly more closely but not a huge return but they're bringing a positive return in for me as well now Um, and I'd forgotten about BookBub ads and I was thinking well you know I've got this great deal I've got 1,000 whatever it is reviews on the 12th pack now. I really ought to be looking at BookBub ads to promote that book. So Jerry's, uh, Jerry made me go back to my BookBub ads. I've got a, an ad actually already made up for the 12th pack, which I'd run. And I am going to come back and return to BookBub ads and have a think about them again. I was listening, um, again, whose podcast was it? The Wish I Had Known Then podcast, which had Nick, somebody on, whose name has just escaped me. But he's written a BookBub book, which I'm... Think that's what Jerry was talking about. I'm sure it was. I, I might be getting my podcast confused, and it made me sort of think. Oh, I bought that book the other day, so I'm going to read that book by Nick. Sorry, I've forgotten your second name, Nick something. I'm going to read that book, and then I'm going to look at my bookbub ads again. But I actually, when I was back in my bookbub's uh, interface, my bookbub ads interface. Uh, I was looking at the aggregate stats that I got, and I thought I'd just share these figures with you because they're they're quite interesting. The aggregate stats, in my opinion, are perfectly acceptable to me. It's only that I can't track the sales, and I'm not sure how many sales I'm making as a result of this. So the headline figures on BookBub ads, and by the ads, I'm not talking about featured deals, remember. I'm talking about the paid display ads that that you, you get. They display the newsletters and across the website and things. So... My, my average cost per meal, which is cost per thousand impressions, is $2.91. Happy with that price. That's fine. Um, on BookBub ads, I've spent $1,991.41. So I have actually committed quite a lot to BookBub ads trying to make these work. The impressions that have been served as a, as a result of that expenditure are 685,141 again that's good exposure good impressions and from that I've had clicks of about one percent so my total clicks from that expenditure are 6,285 clicks so my average click-through rate is 0.92 percent now that's not horrendous that's not a deal breaker normally when I was in internet marketing we used to aim for a a baseline of just something that was 
converting on an average basis of about 1%, which is what I was getting there from BookBub. Now, the only question with that is, is what is my conversion rate? So uh, that's all those numbers are absolutely fine to me. That that traffic and that cost is fine, but only if I'm selling books as a result of it. And the problem with BookBub ads is I can't tie that down. I can't be sure of that. But I, I just thought I'd share those figures because those figures do not trouble me at all in terms of performance and cost. It all depends on what conversion am I getting and am I selling books to cover that? So for instance, I've spent say $2,000, I've got 6,000 clicks. So, you know, say I'm making 30 pence a click or something like that, uh, and, and, and all of those clicks converted to a book sale, you know, I'm pretty well gonna cover my costs. Uh, it, it all depends on the conversion. If I was getting the same kind of conversion rate that I am on Facebook, then those numbers would be okay for me. I think I'd be able to make that work. Uh, maybe not with a 99 pence cents book, but certainly say with a, a 299 box set or something like that, I could make that work. So the eternal problem for us is, how do we track the sales that we're making when we send people to you know an Amazon page, a third party page, a, a, a Kobo page or something like that? And to me, this is the unexplored frontier. This is, this is really, if we're going to truly be able to run sensible indie author businesses, somebody needs to grapple with this, you know, we, um, you know, imagine if Kobo created what was essentially a landing page for my book and allowed me to put tracking code, invisible tracking code, in, in that page. That would be like magic for indie authors. Now, again, they might not do that because we would then know what kind of traffic they're getting on their site. We get a, a glimpse into the traffic, but that would be that would close the gap that we're experiencing here. Anyhow, I, I share that with you because I just found that really interesting. I've never seen my data pulled together like that. I thought that was very interesting. I've got another Kobo Double Daily Deal promo uh, this weekend, actually, on the 4th and 5th of July for my book, How to Start a Podcast. I never really, you know, I, I'd love to love Kobo. I do love Kobo. I think Kobo's brilliant. I really like the promos, and I love the promos where you, you, you split a sort of percentage of any proceeds in, in deals with, with Kobo, because I think if you are a, you know bootstrapping a business, if you've only, say, got one book or two books, if you're a very, very desperately limited budget, I love that Kobo do this, that you don't even have to pay for a promo if you don't want to. You can just profit share. And I think, I think that's so enabling for people who are on a really tight, limited budget. I think that's fantastic for accessibility so well done Kobo on that and also their promos vary in price from it's like three pound six pound it goes up to 50 pound they don't have any really expensive ones so their promo deals are really good make sure you've got that promo tab enabled in your Kobo dashboard if you haven't contact support or they will enable it for you and I just go through there uh, actually what I need to do is you know calendar this I need to diary this but I always check regularly I see what the promos are and I submit as many books as I can to the promos I have a very good hit rate much better than bookbub and all of these promo deals they just raise my income now I never make massive income on Kobo it's just you know chug 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 couple of dollars here couple of dollars there I do get good income off Kobo when I get a wide uh, bookbub deal featured deal uh, that's where my Kobo income does go up to something that makes me interested but most of the time it's just a drip 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 it's another income source for me and obviously I love the mapping Kobo which tells me I sell it over 
what is it, 120 countries or whatever it is that I sell in now, that's also extremely exciting. So I'm a really big fan of Kobo and listing directly on Kobo. I just wish I could find a way to make more sales on Kobo. That's my personal frustration with it. So double daily deal. Don't think I've had one of those before. We'll see how that goes over the weekend. Something that really made me happy was that Drafter Digital now has BorrowBox on its library lending. Now, in the UK, BorrowBox is what I use at my local library. My wife reads books on BorrowBox all the time. So from my UK experience, I don't know how this is elsewhere for other UK libraries, but for my local library, I couldn't, I couldn't access my own books in my own library because they weren't on BorrowBox. And now that Drafter Digital has enabled BorrowBox. I'm really happy about that because I think, I don't know an awful lot about this, but I think that's going to make them more available in the UK. But it certainly makes me happy that they're available in my local library because that now means that I can say, as I have done recently, that my local bookshop was able to order in my copies because I list on what's it called? Ingram Spark, because I list on Ingram Spark, so they could get my paperbacks in. They had no problem ordering them in from their conventional systems. And now I can say, ask my local library, you'll be able to borrow it on BorrowBox. So the moment I heard that, I can't remember whose podcast I heard it on, or maybe I read it somewhere. Oh, I, I got an email from Drafter Digital. The moment I read that, I was straight into my Drafter Digital interface. When you open up Drafter Digital, there's a little pop-up window that says, do you want to list your books on BorrowBox? And yes, I do. And they're all moving into BorrowBox now. So I cannot wait. I keep checking on, on my wife's BorrowBox app. Uh, I, I, have the, I have used the BorrowBox app, but um, I've got a problem with my library membership at the moment. I need to do be addressed and things like that. So I'm using my wife's app at the moment. And um, I'm just waiting to see when the books actually work their way through and are available on BorrowBox. That's going to be a very exciting thing for me at that point. So get them on BorrowBox if you're not already on BorrowBox. You know, the more outlets we've got, all these little pockets of money come in and they build up as you get more, uh, you know, as you get more books in your portfolio. And I'm really beginning to feel this now. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be a rich man from it, but I have I had another more income coming in from Ingram Spark this week. I've said to you before, I haven't got a clue where I'm selling on Ingram Spark, but someone's finding them and someone's buying them. And I just get all these payments in from all over the place. And, you know, I'm looking at Drafter Digital. And I'm, I'm selling a book here on Scribed and a book there in the library. Somebody got me books in the library somewhere. You know, all these bits of income, as you then increase your portfolio of books, it just brings in more money every month. And you reach a point when you're thinking, crikey, you know, I really feel like a, an entrepreneur here because I just got all these little pockets of income that are coming in from all sorts of different sources. And that's what we're trying to build as indie authors. Now, here's a big surprise. I should have made a bigger deal of this, actually, in the headlines. Here's a big surprise for you. I've got another BookBub promo, another featured deal, and it's for a configuration that I've never had before on BookBub. So I promoted the Morecambe Bay 3-pack. So that 3-pack has books 1, 2, and 3 in the Morecambe Bay trilogy. I've also got books 4, 5, and 6 in, in another box set, or you can buy them individually. So I have... It's currently Amazon exclusive, so I had no expectations of getting accepted on this. So BookBub accepted it for a promo, but they've given me one of these promotions that excludes the USA. So what am I going in? I'm going in the UK, which is actually the market that I really want to be, and I sell more of those Morecambe Bay books in the UK. I'll give you some numbers towards the end of the podcast that are very interesting about where I'm selling books now. So 
it goes in the UK, in India. I do all right in India. Um, I, I'm selling reasonable number of books in India these days. Um, but I'm looking at my Indian income. It's like in thousands. And I know it almost boils down to nothing uh, when you put it into pounds and dollars. But I actually look at my Indian income now and think, ooh, look at that. That's a large number. So that that's, you know, you know I, I am selling some in India, which is part of my strategy. Canada and Australia. And it cost me, I think it was $183, so considerably cheaper than promoting in the USA, but very happy that I'm promoting in, in the UK. Now, I have pitched that book, a three-pack, for free. So I hope that's going to fly off the shelves. Why am I pitching it for free? Well, it's Amazon exclusive. I'll get page reads from that. So I will make income from it, even though I'm not actually selling it. But also, what I'm playing for is that people love the book and then go on to buy either the second box set at full price or books four, five, and six at full price. And I'm driving traffic to make my money there. So there is money in the deal, although up front it appears that I'm giving away quite a lot for free. Now, I've never done this before. I've never done a book bub deal excluding the USA. Don't know how it's going to go. You've got to try everything once, haven't you? So fingers crossed. But um, I was very happy about that. I'm just very happy to have another BookBub deal so soon after the Don't Tell Meg deal. And as I always see, whenever I have a BookBub deal, it will bump my sales. My my bestseller at the moment, my two bestsellers are my six-pack for my Morecambe Bay trilogy because I'm promoting that on Facebook. My 12-pack is, is, has been constantly my bestseller for the last 18 months. Uh, that's the, my number one bestseller. You've then got The Forgotten Children and The Murder Place, which are books two and three in my uh, Don't Tell Meg trilogy. And the reason that they're so high up in that chart is because I had a book bub on Don't Tell Meg recently. It's driving traffic to those sales. And then number five in that bestseller list at the moment is my How to Start a Podcast book, which just sells very well through Amazon ads. I use Amazon ads to sell that book and it just seems to love it for some reason, probably because it's so nicely keyworded. So um, you know, those are my bestsellers. No doubt at all, featured deals help your sales. And they help your sales you know, for a couple of months after you have each featured deal. And again, if you've got your featured deals and you're constantly doing your featured deals, the more books you get, obviously, the more books you can put in for featured deals. It's like throwing mud against the wall. <laughs> One month, it might be a sci-fi. Another month, it might be a thriller. But it all just keeps building your income, the more books and the more permutations you've got. And I'm, I'm telling you this because it's the last episode. You know, write more books, write in series. <laughs> this all works. It all works. But always think, always think. How am I going to sell those units? How do I package those units to make sellable units? Don't just kind of write blindly for readers, or you should write for readers, of course. Always have your money head on and think about how you're going to package those books into box sets, you know, mega sets, and how you can make money from those in different scenarios. And talking about BookBub, I used the BookBub spreadsheet, which I mentioned to you two weeks ago, this spreadsheet where you put all your submission dates in for BookBub and you write the dates in when they rejected you or accepted you, and then it tells you the date of your next BookBub prom and it rotates your books for you. And uh, that's fascinating. I, I did that and it, it's great. I'm going to be using that from now on. It just automatically tells you when your next submission date is, and I can then pop that in the diary and I'm not going to miss any submission dates. So I thoroughly recommend, uh, if you didn't catch it, just look at the show notes from two weeks ago. 
and you'll see that the link to that BookBub spreadsheet or the blog where you can get that BookBub spreadsheet. But if you're in the BookBub game, please use that spreadsheet. It's a really good way of organizing things. Little advert popped up in my Facebook feed this week. It was from Kalytics and it was a Westerns report. Now, those of you who pay attention to my ramblings on this podcast will know that I'd said to you that one of the things I kind of quite like to do, it's not a priority, it's like a kind of life personal goal, is I quite like to write a classic western, because I've always enjoyed a classic western. used to watch The Virginian every Friday when I was a kid on the telly. And so, and I love all, you know, all, the, all the Clint Eastwood stuff and whatnot, love all the classics. So I'd like just to write a, a western. as a one-off, doesn't have to be a series. I'd just like to write a good western. So having seen that westerns report i thought right i'm having that it's only 27 quid so i bought the westerns report and you know had a look at it had a look at the genres had a look at the keywords and things like that and the reason i've done that so early even though I have no intention of writing that book until probably at least next year is i just want to be uh, going through that sort of gestation period where I'm, I'm just thinking about it thinking about what the story might be i just wanted to put myself in the zone with the keywords with the genres so that uh, I, I my my idea is i'd like to write one with like the lone kind of cowboy, you know, the isolated figure who who rides into town, who's going to um, have revenge against a group of bad lads who did something in his past. It's uh, it's 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 almost. I was thinking about it the other day. It's it's almost almost following the plot line of Kenny Rogers' Coward of the County. I, I've always had a little bit of a soft spot for country songs. I was sitting out at the pub the other day. Yesterday, actually, it was. We were sitting out at the sun. And they started playing Country Roads. Uh, it was, I think they've done a remix version of Country Roads. And I said, oh, I love country music. I, I love story songs, actually. That's, I think that's probably why I like so much country music, is I like um, the story songs so much. Anyhow, anyhow, to cut a long story short, I, I bought the Kalytics Westerns report because I just wanted to plant the seeds of a Western story and you know what I might write in my book. I just wanted to mention to you that on this podcast, I've recommended as an affiliate, SiteGround. And I just wanted to update that recommendation and add some provisos with it. This week's SiteGround, which I still use and love and have used for years, it added a new security two-factor authentication login, which means that it's all it's all quite technical, This, but everything's going two-factor authentication. And if you don't know about it, read up about it because this is the way it's all going. Uh, until we can do DNA and it's all fingerprint and eye, you know, eye, eye identification, two FAs, what we're going to use. Uh, it's, they've added this new lovely two-factor authentication on the WordPress sites, which is fabulous. So I, I included that. It's a great new free plugin. But what I did want to say to you is that recently SiteGround just changed its interface. And they changed it from in a way that means that one of the reasons I recommended it to people who weren't familiar with WordPress, who were new to WordPress, they've changed it so that you can't access that anymore. So I used to say use SiteGround because it has something called cPanel in it and cPanel makes using WordPress and installing WordPress and running a website really, really easy. Well, they've still kind of got their own version of cPanel but the interface is a lot more cluttered now. If you've got multiple websites, it's a lot more cluttered. I can't say that I really like it for training purposes now. Now, I, I'm quite happy with it. I've got three websites on it now. I know what I'm doing with it, and I'm going to stick with SiteGround because I, I like the performance, and I'm very happy with these plugins that they keep producing for us, particularly the security one. Security is a big D on, on WordPress, so it's very nice that they've created this plugin where it's all in one, and it's got lovely two-factor authentication now, so I can generate codes on my mobile phone. All of this stuff is great, all, all, all really great. But what I would say is I don't feel that I can comfortably recommend it as a beginner's 
um, you know, provider for hosting anymore. I'd probably have to say to you, for beginners, go back to what I used to use in the, in the early days of internet marketing, which is HostGator. That's probably got a simpler uh, interface for beginners. So SiteGround's still fantastic. I'm still using it. I still love it. If you were a more advanced user, I would probably say to you, yeah, absolutely fine, go ahead. But if you're completely new to this, I think probably SiteGround's just made itself a little bit too complicated for beginners. So you might want to have a look at something like HostGator instead or look for other recommendations from other people who have podcasts about self-publishing. And finally from this week, why I love doing this show is every now and then you'll get an email from somebody that you've never had an email from before and then you start having an email exchange and before you know it you've met somebody new as a result of the podcast. And then since the last episode, this is somebody called Matt. I don't think, Matt, you gave me your surname in the emails, and I couldn't tell it from your email address, but Matt emailed me and said, um, Hi, Paul, in the um, list of podcasts you recommend, I can't remember if you mentioned Right About Now. No, I haven't heard of Right About Now until Matt mentioned it. And Matt was just saying that in any event, this week's episode features an interview with the author of The Other End of Men that you've been reading. So I think you would find that interesting. So again, just to bring you up to date with this, I was going to write a kind of literary sci-fi novel called End of Men. I wrote it, I reviewed it, I wasn't happy with what I'd done, so I decided to park it, though I I do would like to come back to it. And then I particularly decided to park it when I saw that somebody else had written a book called End of Men. And I just thought, oh, that's fine. I'm sure this will be much better than what I was doing. I bought that book when it was released. I've now read it and completed it. And one of the problems with it was that it had multiple points of view. And although the book was as interesting, it was a futurescape, it didn't compel me in the way I like a book to compel me. And I think that's because it didn't really feel like it had a central character who was on a central journey. So it was fascinating. I listened to this podcast straight away when Matt recommended it. I downloaded it. It had the author on. And interestingly, the author had said that what she was trying to achieve was something like World War Z or World War Z, however you say that, um, in that it was you know multiple points of view. And it was like a, a narrative, a, almost like a diary of events over a number of years. So she'd specifically chosen that technique for telling a story. Now, I, uh, World War Z, World War Z is on my bookshelf to read at home, or it's packed in a box at the moment, actually, somewhere deep in a box. But um, it's on my to-be-read pile, my long to-be-read pile. But I, my wife has read it, and she said, oh, yes, you know, she preferred the film because the film of World War Z had a single sort of narrative arc for a character that's how they tackled it whereas the book has multiple points of view and she she found that very difficult to read as well so very very interesting thanks for that Matt it gave some context as to what the writer was aiming for it is a good book but I still I personally at a personal level prefer a book that has a sort of single narrative arc in it and which is what mine does and then Matt followed that email up by saying there's another book called End of Men by an author called Suzanne Strobel or Strobel. I'm not sure whether it has an umlaut over. Um, and the concept's slightly different, but it's the same, you know, the same kind of idea, same sort of concept. Now, I didn't know about this one, Matt. That, this hadn't sort of come up on a, on a book search or anything like that. So I've bought that book and that's what I'm reading now. Another book called End of Men. And they're all the same kind of dystopian sci-fi consideration of what would happen in a world that didn't have men in it for whatever reason, a reason that's sinister or accidentally through nature. And what I can say is that both of the books are they're different from what I was doing uh, or, or what I was hoping to attempt. 
I'll read this Suzanne Strobel book, which has actually instantly got my attention because it's more of a future book. It's it's struggling to get to the point at the moment. It's like, come on, get on with it, get on with it. Uh, you know, just don't mess around. Just get me into the story a bit quicker, please. So it, it, it's in danger of, of losing my attention at the moment, my very low attention span. But I'm thinking, you're right, you're world building here. Get on with it, get on with it. I need some events here. But it has got my attention. Uh, I do like the world in which it's set. I'm just really waiting for it to state its case. And it's taken a bit long to state its case at the moment. So um, we, we, inciting moment. We need to get to an inciting moment. It's kind of had one. It kind of had one in the prologue, which is why I suspect you put the prologue in, because it took too long to get to the inciting moment. But I need a little bit more just to get my teeth into. But um, again, I'm going to read it anyway. But, it, but, but it's made me think, you know, I have got a different story to tell. I won't use that title, I don't think. I'll have to come up with a different kind of title, I think. But I still do have a story to tell that is very distinctive. And reading the first end of men and what i've read of the second end of men so far has just made me think hmm, i ought to tell that story really because it is different substantially different from both of those stories so matt great to hear from you matt said that um, he's been a listener to the show for a couple of years uh, we've we've never chatted before but it's lovely when sort of somebody comes out of the woodwork all of a sudden and gives you great information like that so thanks ever so much for that matt thank you for your kind comments about the show and thank you very much for passing on that information i really appreciate it This podcast is supported by affiliate sales of memberships to the Alliance of Independent Authors, the professional business membership organisation for self-published authors. I found that I usually cover the cost of membership by using the special codes given out for free listings and revisions on Ingram Spark. Use a couple of those over the course of a year and your membership is easily paid for. However, Ally is much more than that. You can access expert advice, great support and community, a range of podcasts suitable for authors of all levels, and the amazing online conferences which gather industry titans several times a year in order to share their best tips and tricks. When you purchase your Ally membership through my affiliate link, you pay the same price as normal, but I take a percentage of the sale proceeds, which goes to support my time and effort in producing this podcast. To check out the best essential professional membership service for all indie authors, head over to paulteague.net forward slash ally. That's A-L-L-I. So you're up to date with my writing news. Let's go through the quarter two review and the quarter three and beyond goals right now. Quarter two's been a little bit embarrassing in terms of output. (laughs) We're half of the way through the year already and still Paul hasn't done any real work. But let's go through the quarter two goals anyway and see where we're up to with all of this. First of all, then, one of my goals, the last time I set goals to you, I said to you, I need to move back to the UK and put everything back together again. Well, that's done. House is back together again. I have a desk. Everything's there. You know, it's all ready for the kids for summer. The kids are already actually in the house now. Uh, they're, they're all sort of coming and going, but the kids are back in the house now. It's just the parents have, are not quite there yet. So we're all, we're all ready to go. So when I get back to the UK... I'm ready to work and sort of get back into a routine again. So that that's great. We, we, we did all of that stuff. Thank goodness something was achieved. I said that I wanted to plan and start writing the Walker Bay 3 trilogy. Nope, that hasn't happened. Uh, it hasn't happened. It would have happened. It would have started uh, if I hadn't done this Digital Nomad program. So really, by doing this Digital Nomad program, I've just bumped everything ahead. Uh, so it's I'm not there yet, and that that's fine. The the thing is, to be honest with you, I had so much to do with the house and quarantining and all that sort of stuff. It, it realistically wasn't going to happen. It's been quite nice having this one month bridge in Spain again. <laughs> not not that I needed it or deserved it, you understand, but it has been quite nice having this bridge because I have to say that 
I'm really actually ready to get back and get back into work now. And the house is set up so I can actually just get on with it when I get back. I don't have to be building furniture again and things like that, uh, setting out bedrooms and moving boxes. I don't have to do any of that. That's all done so I can hit the ground running when we get home. So no, failed, didn't do it, didn't plan it, didn't write it. Going to do that when I get home. I said that I wanted to get both vaccine doses and then resume one-to-one and outside socialising. Well, yeah, we got both vaccine doses. We actually managed to accelerate that, which is great. So I've had both vaccine doses now. They're both in their uh, working period, whatever it is. There's always a little delay between getting the vaccine and, and when it's effective. So that's absolutely fantastic both vaccines there i've done more socializing still in safe settings out here in spain and i was saying to my wife the other day i'm going to start organizing coffees and things with people now when i get back to the uk you know reconnecting with people because we've been out the city for a while um we know we're after we've done our quarantine of course but yeah it'd be very small one-to-one you know maybe three of us kind of socializing not inside it's going to be outside still but uh, I want to start resuming some socializing now because being here in Spain has in many respects sort of forced me back into it to a certain extent I said that I want to visit my mum uh, originally the way that the vaccines were good to go when we came back to the UK I would have literally just had the last vaccine if I'd have had to wait 12 weeks and then I'd have just caught my mum for a birthday in August. So it was quite a fine thing originally because I got my second vaccine four weeks early before we went to Spain. Everything's fine. I arranged the dates with my mum last night. We've got dates. I'm going to visit my mum at the beginning of August. I haven't seen her for two years, which is ridiculous because we're always there for a birthday. I, I know it's two years because that's the last time I went to see my mum. Still talking to my mum on Skype. She's not um, sort of fit enough, doesn't feel mentally... Uh, resilient enough yet to be playing daily Scrabble games but still chatting to my mum over Skype in fact the minute I finish this I'm going to be talking to my mum on Skype I'm trying to get it finished in time so that uh, I've got an appointment with my mum to chat on Skype before I go out for a nice meal in Spain courtesy of visit Benidorm I know it's a rough life but somebody's got to live it Um, and so yeah I'm going to go visit my mum in August uh, and I'll be taking the kids so I'm not going to go into the reasons, but we're going in two. We're going to go in two loads. Uh, basically, I can't carry everybody who wants to come in the car. That's that's basically. It. I have to get one of these, you know, people movers. So I'm doing it in two shifts. We're going to do an, an August visit, and we're going to go and do a visit um, in September. So two visits to my mum in the next quarter, which I'm really looking forward to. It's well overdue. I said that I wanted to run at least three times weekly. I hope to resume park run by the end of June. That's been bumped for a month and I hope to pick up my club runs. Well, yes, I have picked up my club runs now. I've been running on a track. I've had the first runs with my club. I did a 10K and nearly killed myself the other day. I've done a 5K with them before I went out to Spain. But I'm doing my club runs and we'll pick those up as soon as I go back. That's fantastic. So those are on uh, Tuesdays and Thursday evenings. Lovely to be running with people again. The runs at the Nature Reserve have started up again. They're having to limit to groups of 30, but um, so they're, they're doing two, one in the morning, one in the afternoon on Sundays. And Park Run is due to start at the end of July. And it's beautifully timed now because I would have missed Park Run while I was quarantining in Spain. And now, uh, not that I'm happy that they've had to bump it, because of the government announcements but at a personal level it means I'm not going to miss any park runs now I'll be out of quarantine and I'll be ready to do the first park run at the end of July when that happens so I've managed to keep up my runs I did 14 runs in 
June. Yeah, just done 14 runs in June. Uh, most of those uh, done in Alicante and Torrevieja and in Benidorm and in Cala during June. So how's that for a kind of, you know, a global approach to, to running? But I've managed to keep my running up through COVID. And while all of these things had stopped, so I, I really, again, at a personal level, pleased about that because there were so many occasions when I had to kick myself out of bed to keep running and to keep that regular routine up. And I'm very pleased that I've managed to make it. And all those things are starting up again. I can't wait for it. So really looking forward to that. And then the other thing on my quarter two review was I said that uh, I wanted to go to Benidorm in November, which we're still going to do. And I've got a 10K run booked while I'm in Benidorm in November. And yes, that's all booked. I should be doing that. Uh, so I've got like four months back in the UK. And then so long as everything's open and we can travel and COVID hasn't reared its ugly head again, I should be out in Benny uh, for a couple of weeks, up to a month. I'm not quite sure how long it's going to be yet uh, in November, but I'll definitely be there for that 10k run so long as I'm allowed to travel. So a bit of a mixed bag, really, uh, with, with, with the review. Missed a few of those targets, didn't quite hit them, had to change them. But you know, that's the COVID world in which we live in. I think things are going to be like that for a little while, to be honest with you. Let's have a look at quarter three and beyond. And I'm doing the beyond goals because this is the last podcast now. And I just want to let you know my direction of travel, really, what, what's coming next. So when I get home, and I really am ready, actually, now to, to get back to work. I almost can't wait to get at my desk and get buckled down and start working again at a, at a proper workplace where I can have all my bits and pieces around me that I need. So I really am sort of rearing to go with work. But my, my plan when I get back to the UK is that I really want to tackle this planning of the Morgan Bay trilogy. And I really want to, you know, see whether there's a trilogy there or just a standalone book. And I, I really, I've been writing loads of notes down for months for this book. So I've got loads of scenes and everything. I just need to pull together the story. And I haven't really applied myself to that. And that's what I want to do as a priority when I get back home. I would prefer to write a trilogy. I really would like to write a trilogy. I was doing some planning last night, actually, and I just checked the wording that I'd put in my in book six about what I'd said about the next trilogy. And I'd said by the end of, well, basically, I said winter 2021. So I can release Morecambe Bay 7 by the end of December and still hit that target and then release the others in, in January and March. So I was looking at that, looking at how that all pans out, thinking, ooh, that's achievable, I could do that, and still hit that deadline for the end of the year. So roughly, this is so long as I can come up with the story that's going to work as a trilogy, roughly, I'm looking at starting writing that, as, as you know, working quite intensely when I get home and getting on with it, uh, and that potentially I could have that Morecambe Bay 7 book out released in December then January February for the next two installments and then March would be the box set and then April would be the nine pack and the nine pack is going to be my lead product because surely by then my 12 pack people will be exhausted of my 12 pack and seeing that and I want something new then to start putting on as a 99p let's get loads of page reads from this kind of offer and that's what I'm planning with the nine pack. And that's really why I would like it to be nine books, you know, rather than me doing a standalone to conclude the trilogy. So that's going to be my number one goal and objective when I get back. I want to continue writing The Essential Guide to Publishing Wide. That's the uh, the book that I'm writing that was 
kind of inspired by reading wide for the win thinking well I've, I've got some things that i'd like to share here i'd like to make it a, a, a briefer book a very much a how to a do this do that kind of a book so i'm going to chug that along i don't have a release date for that but uh, you know really what i'd like to do is by the end of march 2022 which is my birthday month and also sort of end of the uk tax year this is how i tend to run things i, I tend to use the end of the calendar year as an objective date and the and my birthday month as an objective date so I quite like using those dual dual dates in my life they work very well for me and my birthday happens to come at the end of a financial tax year too so they just work for my personal planning but what I quite like to do in a dream world where I don't go off on digital nomad things for a month and get nothing done in a dream world I would like to have all three final books in the Morecambe Bay series completed so that series would be nine books long and I would like to have two more books is it two more books no yeah two more books written non-fiction I'd like to finish the essential guide to publishing wide and to write one more and publish it because that way I can then create two box sets with my non-fiction I'll have a like a digital marketing box set which will be podcasting digital product creation and one other and then I have an author box set which will be five figure fiction formula and I'll change the name of it when I turn it into a box set because that's not keyword friendly five figure fiction formula um, author platform blueprint and this one that I'm writing the essential guide to publishing wide and this is what I was saying right at the beginning of the podcast then I will have uh, two sort of saleable systems there are a series of books that are grouped together and that will easily sell in box sets and then I can start doing value offers and promos and things like that so by the end of march if i ever get my finger out and get some work done and stop zipping around on jet skis and things and i really need to do that now come on paul it's time to focus again then that's what i'd like to have done by the end of march that's a sort of longer term plan just so you know kind of where i'm heading next and then by the time I hit my 57th birthday in March 2022, that's when I'll have one of these root and branches reviews of what comes next. It's the end of a tax year too. So I always look at, um, I've extended my limited company for another year. I've just literally yesterday, well, sorry, 30th, what is it? 30th of June. 30th of June is my first limited company end of tax year. You have different tax years in the UK if you're a limited company. My end of tax year is June. So I'm just gonna file my first limited accounts and I've just renewed my crunch software for another year because I'm going to, it's still worth my while to stay limited for another year because of how I'm taking salary and things like that and dividends and things like that. So uh, I'm going to be another, but uh, I'll, I'll review that next year in March at the end of the fiscal tax year. Um, so I, I review things all the time, um, but I'll do a root and branches review of what comes next. So I'll consider. Uh, you know, whether I'm going to, I don't think I'll write any more psychological thrillers at that point. I think I've got loads of psychological thrillers. Um, I'll be able to put some wide, I'll be able to put some Amazon exclusive. I've got loads of marketing permutations and all of that. So I think at that point, I'll say, let's take a break from psychological thrillers. That's enough psychological thrillers in the world. And at that point, I'll say, well, am I going to do a Western next? Am I going to do End of Men next? Am I going to do a Family Saga next? Um, am I going to finish off the Secret Bunker trilogy with a time travel story? I've got loads of things in the works there, and I'll I'll reconsider that at, at, in March 2022. But just to give you a sense, as we conclude this podcast, of what my long-term plans are, that's kind of the direction of travel. 
What I do need to do is my psychological thrillers are out of KDP Select shortly. I can't remember what the date is. It's soon. It's in the diary. I've then got to decide whether I'm going to list them wide and push for some book bubs uh, while I'm writing the, the next three in the series before I go back into KDP Select mode again with the Walker Bay trilogy. Am I going to go wide and terrify myself about my income with the 12 pack you know am I going to stop that kind of page reads income off the 12 pack or am I going to push for book bubs in that time and I'm not sure to be honest with you I haven't made my mind up about that but I do need to make a decision about that do I stay in KDP select with psychological thrillers or do I mix it all up and do I go wide again and push for some big promos and squeeze what I can out of a couple of book bubs in that time period so got to decide about that in the next sort of quarter, I need to review my Amazon, Facebook and BookBub ads. That's an ongoing situation, but I, I need to specifically look again at Amazon and BookBub ads, as I was saying to you earlier about BookBub ads. Interestingly, one of the things we've done in this Digital Nomad program is we've done what we call Skillshare sessions, where we take the thing that works best for us. And we've just been doing a little half hour session uh, teaching people about what we do and then giving them loads of tips for it. And Marie was doing a Pinterest session for us yesterday we were down in the cafe having cups of coffee very strong coffee in spain very strong coffee and she was teaching us about pinterest and it just made me think um pip reed uses uh, pinterest and has taught it in the ads for authors class with mark dawson because she's so good at it she uses it with her bible pathway adventures and i've had a couple of conversations with pip about this and i know that kiss Oliphant from the creative writing podcast kiss and has said it brings what we call long-term seo that in, in most social media stuff just goes up in a puff of smoke and you never see it again but pinterest sends clicks back to websites and, and to web links and, and i know i know all of this and i i've left pinterest a long time ago but it just made me think you know there might be something to play for on pinterest because what I've started to do as an author is, is particularly with the Walker Bay trilogies, I've taken lots of photographs of the locations. And I was just thinking, you know, there is maybe something to play for with Pinterest. So I just want to look at Pinterest again. It's changed a lot since I last looked at it. So I just want to, I was just looking at the traffic that Marie was getting for her business on it, thinking, yeah, you know, that's not to be sniffed at. I might have another look at this again. So uh, I want to review Pinterest. I want to have a look at my Pinterest account and see what might be done with that. I need to conduct a final Amazon categories review. So you'll know that I did loads of um, category work and keyword work with BK Link, BK Link, the site that I recommend. And I just need to sort of go back. Um, I've got, I've just got to mop up my thrillers. Um, I'd got up to first in series, but I hadn't done books two and threes because they weren't such a big priority in, in terms of the sales process. You, you want your, your box sets, you want your book ones in series. Those are the priorities. And then you can do your books two and threes. And I, I've got emails in my draft emails ready to go. I didn't want to overwhelm Amazon with it, but I, I'm going to go and check through that they've put all the books in the right categories and I'm listed in 10 categories for each of the key books. Then I will send Amazon the last lists of categories for all the mop-up books. And I just want to make sure then that everything's covered and that my categories are all up to date across my sci-fi, my non-fiction and my thrillers. Quite a big job of work to do there. And also I was a bit wary of overwhelming Amazon with you know too many great long lists of books that need categories changed. There's a lot of work, very tedious clerical work involved in that. So I need to return to that and just finish it off. But I have got the most important books there. 
going to visit my mum in August and September, which I've already mentioned to you. I'm going to resume park run, club runs and nature reserve runs, which I've already mentioned to you. The minute I'm out of quarantine, I shall be doing those. And the aiming, the aim of my running over the summer is to build my back up, myself back up to 10 kilometres again so that I can do this run in Benidorm in November uh, it, during our visit in November. It's, um, it's a half marathon and 10k run. I'm not doing marathons and half marathons. That's too much for me. I, d- I don't want to get that involved in it. I, I just want to keep the distances small. I did do a 10k run for the first time in ages with my club uh, before I came to Spain. It almost killed me, but I did it. I still did it without stopping. But it was, it was, I need, to, obviously, I need to improve before I do the one in Benidorm so I don't humiliate myself. So, my aim over summer with my running is to get where I can run 10k comfortably again, which is where I was up to before COVID. And then really just to summarise this section, to give you an idea of my longer term and ongoing goals, you know, I I did mention it just a moment or two ago. I'd always intended to finish off my Secret Bunker and my Grid series with a time travel story. It's all set up. It's set up in Phase 6 and it's set up in the Secret Bunker and set up in the Grid. It's set up for to bring the whole, all those worlds together through a single character and through a time travel event I love time travel I've always wanted to write a time travel story so that's one of my longer term aims so that's something what I'm quite keen to do is to tie up all my loose ends with my books and and, and obviously you know with my sensible head on it makes more sense to conclude the Walker Bay trilogy than to do the non-fiction book so I've got two box sets as I've just explained to you then it makes strategic sense and business sense for me to write the time travel series to completely conclude my sci-fi series and then it makes sense to get distracted by things like westerns and family sagas and self-indulgent stuff so those are all the things in play not quite sure what's going to happen next but that's what's in play and I'll work out I mean what I'd love to do what I would love to be is to suddenly find that I can get this prolific writing habit back that I had a year ago when I was writing eight novels in a year. If I can get back to that, that'll be wonderful. If I can get back to banging them out again, that'll be great. Uh, I hope I can, because then I shall be working at a rate of knots to get all these things done. But at the moment, because uh, because of COVID, because things have been so unsettled and because I've disrupted my personal life, I'm cutting myself some slack. What I hope is that I'll be able to get back to where I was and start rattling those books out again. That's what I'd really like to be able to do. Another long-term thing, is I quite like long term, unless something something happens. I'd always hope we'd get uh, a, a deal with with audio books. I can't remember the name of the company now. It's it's lost me as it always does when I'm talking on these podcasts. It's just uh, departed my mind. But I'd like to. I, I hope that my co-written sci-fi pack would get turned into an audio book. I, I get the experience of that. That hasn't happened yet. It's not off the card still. It's still in play. But if that doesn't happen. I'd quite like to get the rights back for the co-written military sci-fi trilogy that I wrote and develop that story and, and bring it on because I love the characters, I love the scenario. It wouldn't be worth my while financially to do it unless we get that that audio deal arrangement. As I say, that is still in play. It's not off the table yet. But if we didn't get that, it doesn't look like it's going to bring in enough money within the present arrangement to justify me making the effort to write my more books. But I did love the characters. I did love the story. And I kind of like to take it out of the world that it's in. Uh, I would basically submit my final drafts to an editor and sort of re-release it with entirely kind of my words in my world and then and then pick up that story. So again, that's a longer term aspiration, but that that's still in play. That is a longer term that is a longer term thought, that one. Uh, 
And then after all this running around, you know, getting residency in Spain and things like that, I think that because of the way things have changed with COVID, it really, it's COVID that's changed this. And we were talking about it the other day, that I think if, if COVID hadn't been a thing, if the kids had been able to come out and see us at Christmas and Easter as we'd intended, you know, if I hadn't not seen my mum for two years and my mum hadn't been ill, you know, all these life things that happen, if life had just carried on as it was, I think we might well have moved to Spain by now and, and just be quite happily living here and I'd be flying the kids out for vacations and things like that. But what COVID has made very clear to us is that until this situation settles and we could be a little bit more sure of the world, and because I've still got obligations to children who are at university who, who quite rightfully expect somewhere to stay in the summer vacations, um, we, can't, we can't live in Spain full-time at the moment. Uh, it's, it would not be... Uh, a clever or a fair move to make to the kids so I think we're going to be settling in the UK we'll still be traveling doesn't stop me traveling for shorter periods of time but it's not the right time for us to live in Spain we've got to see where the world's going with Covid first and I'm very pleased we've already used our I, I couldn't be here now if I hadn't got my paperwork because under Schengen rules, I wouldn't have been allowed back. So I couldn't be here now if I hadn't got that paperwork. I couldn't have stayed in Spain into April if I hadn't got that paperwork. And I'm probably going to just hang on to the, the situation. We were just discussing this today because I'm still paying for private health insurance. And clearly, I don't want to be paying for private health insurance longer than I have to. But we're probably really just going to have a chat with the kids over summer and, and see how they feel about about Spain and travel and things like that. We're just trying to decide which way the wind's blowing with this. But if, if I were a guessing man, I think I'd say to you, know, living in Spain, I don't think that's going to happen now because of COVID and because of kids. And I don't think, looking at how old my kids are and how long they've got to do at university, all these sorts of things, I don't think that could happen until I'm 60. I don't, I don't think we can consider that. I think we need to have a UK base that is open for the kids all the time over the summer vacation. Now, that, what that doesn't exclude is us living in Spain for up to six months of the year. It doesn't exclude that. But COVID, as we've just found out, might make that a problem because that only works for me if my kids can dip on planes and come and see me. If I can sort of pay for planes and say, come over, see us, stay with us for Christmas and things like that. If I can't do that, if there's any expectation that we can't do that because of COVID, I don't really want to do it, you know, because it's not been nice not seeing the kids for however many months it is. And it's not nice being able to just jump in a car and make sure my mum's okay. So for that reason, really just COVID, I don't think we're going to be able to stay in Spain permanently. I think it's going to be more of a, a flitting kind of thing. So, you know, that's just COVID and it's just life. Um, but what I would say to you is we did the thing that we wanted to do, which was to spend a considerable period in Spain to see what it's like to live here on a normal basis. We still love it a lot, but it might not be the right time domestically. That's COVID's fault. And I'm sure we've all got things in our life that COVID has screwed up for us. And we're just going to have to sit and wait for a little while and see which way the wind blows with all of that stuff. So you're bang up to date with everything right now. What I need to tell you about just before I finish and we go into the conclusion of this podcast, what I need to tell you is just to bring you up to date with the Digital Nomad scheme, the project that I've been involved in. Just to let you know, I mean, that's just been fantastic. We just had a whale of a time out here. I mean, 
uh, you know, it's totally self-indulgent. It's ridiculous. It's gratuitous. But I don't care. It's been absolutely brilliant. I've had a whale of a time out here. I've been on a jet ski. I went horse riding the other week, I think, since I spoke to you last. Haven't ridden a horse since I was a kid. So we went to a stables. I went with um, Marie, a German who's here. She, she used to ride as a kid. We both went riding uh, in the woods. Uh, we were supervised. And we were on very safe horses, I hasten to add. Um, what else did we do? We, you know, we, oh, my wife and I, we jumped on a boat and went out to Benidorm Island. We've been looking at this island for years, but we went on a boat and looked at that. Uh, jet ski what else have we done I've just done all sorts of things you know, eating out sat on the beach of the day I got my phone wet and had to get it repaired in town because we were out in the water uh, you know in the sea which is lovely at this time of year the digital nomad program has been great we've been exchanging skills uh, I've, also, I've done the podcast while I've been here so I have been doing some work but it's just been a great um, experience but what I can say to you is that uh, I, I, when we came back from Toravieka, I, I didn't feel ready to get back to work. And that's probably because I had so many things domestically to organise, you know, to get the house back together, all the stuff out of storage and everything we had to do. So much domestically, I could, probably couldn't really see clear to get the work done. What I can tell you now is everything at home is ready. The kids are there, keeping it warm. <laughs> you know, it's all, it's all there. There's food in the cupboard. When we get home... I really am ready to sort of, you know, get on with it. I'm ready to get on with it and get working again and get back into some kind of routine. Email marketing is an essential part of any author marketing strategy and MailerLite is the service I prefer when it comes to sending out my emails. MailerLite offers a free account of up to 1,000 subscribers and that also gives you access to a simple website builder. If you're a new author, that allows you to build the two most important components of your author platform without any technical or financial blocks. If you're more advanced in your self-publishing journey, I particularly like the automations, the landing page options, the advanced targeting features and the automatic resend facility. Where MailChimp can get expensive very quickly and ConvertKit is probably more suitable for complex business setups, MailerLite is well priced as you build your subscribers as well as boasting many incredible features. You pay nothing extra when you buy through my affiliate link, so to check out the email marketing service that I use and recommend, head over to paulteague.net forward slash MailerLite and get your online marketing off to a great start. So in this final bit of the show, I just wanted to say that, you know, we have had a great time since October. I'm just really pleased that we did it. So pleased we went to Spain. I've got it out of my system staying there for six months. It's been magical having this extra month. I've really enjoyed being part of this digital nomad program, as I told you just before the advert. But what has happened as a consequence of that is that it's shot to pieces any kind of routine or sense of momentum that I once had. You know, if you've been listening to this podcast, I've written a huge number of books over the past couple of years that just stopped dead when we went to Spain now what I would say to you is I'm not at all unhappy about that I'm just not unhappy about it we've had a remarkable time you know as a couple we've had a remarkable time we you know from a traveling point of view from an experience point of view it's been fantastic and what else would we have done we'd have just sat in the in a cold house in the UK in lockdown that's what we would have done so I'm really pleased that we we took those two opportunities you know in a diff- what's been a horrible time for everybody it's been a horrible time for everybody uh, we've been able because we've been in Spain to have a good time I don't regret that for one minute but at the moment I've got zero equilibrium in my kind of working life in my writing life the plans I made to write the third Walk and Bay trilogy they're out the window 
I've got to try and get some form in my life again. And actually, I'm, I'm ready for that. You know, we've had a great time, but I'm ready to get my head down and I'm ready to come back to work and get going again. So I'm not worried about what's happened, but I'm aware that I do want to get some form in my life. I can't just be gallivanting like this all the time. I need to settle down and I, I want to settle down. I want to get some writing done. I want to get into some kind of a, of a routine with the writing now. And of, and of course, the other thing, you know, we've all been suffering with COVID because of the disruption that that's brought. But I, I need to shape some form from this now. It's enough play, Paul. It's time to get your head down and to get some work done. Now, as I say, none of this is a problem for me because I had a great time, but now it's time to move on and get back to work. But from a podcast point of view, it, it's time for a break. And I say that because I'm not in my stride at the moment. You've heard, I mean, I'm talking to you about marketing stuff and things like that, but I'm not getting any writing done at the moment. And I need it as a personal priority. I've got to get my head down and I've got to try and find some form in this kind of new post-work life that I've got. I do want to write and I, I, I have been taking my writing career seriously. I've done all the marketing and things that I have to do, but I've got to get back to that writing habit again that I had and that was so productive for me. So what I'm going to say is, you know, this is the last podcast episode and I don't want to set up in you any expectation that there's going to be more or any commitment on my part that there's going to be more. So don't have any expectation of this. I'm not going to say about any updates. I'm not going to update you on any seasons or anything like that. I'm simply going to say to you that if I reappear one day, and if that's in a month, a year or three years time, don't be surprised. But similarly, don't expect it and don't wait for it. So what I guess I'm saying is, I'm finishing this podcast now. I'm not ruling out podcasting in the future, but it ain't coming anytime soon. I'm not promising any updates. I'm not giving any dates or timescales on it. Just that general aspiration that at some time in the future, I enjoy podcasting and I might, I might come back to it. But I have to have a sense of purpose to do that. So you're going to see me massively reduce my social media presence after this Digital Nomad program concludes. So, <laughs> so you'll have, having been quiet on social media, if you do follow me on Twitter, or even if you've got me on Instagram, you know, there's been nothing there. It's like on life support system. And then all of a sudden, Paul goes to Spain and you've got pictures of me doing this, that and the other. I mean, that's part of the deal with the Digital Nomad program, um, you know, that we we do all the tweets and things like that. So that's been very much part of what I agree to do with the Digital Nomad program. But after that's finished, that'll all disappear again and it'll be radio silence or pretty well radio silence on social media because as an author, I'm not particularly excited about it. Now, when I was talking about Pinterest earlier, I'm really looking about strategic Pinterest and adverts in Pinterest. You know, I'm not really interested in sort of saying, hey, look, here's a picture of a pretty flower or anything like that. You know, So it's all going to be very focused on on advertising and results. So while I'm gone and expect it to be forever, uh, it, there are many podcasts which give the same sort of service that I do. And I just want to recommend a few before I go. I want to mention Matty Dalrymple with the Indie Author Podcast. Uh, Matty has personal author updates at the beginning of the show. You know, what's working, what's not working and things like that. And this week, incidentally, uh, at the time of recording this, at the beginning of July, she's just interviewed Dave Chesson, who is talking about that new software I was mentioning at the beginning of the show. So catch up with Matty. And this is a really good onboarding episode if you haven't caught Matty before. Next Level Authors, listen to the full show uh, with Dan Wilcox and Sasha Black. Uh, again, 
on that show. There's a must-listen-to episode last week, so it's the uh, towards the end of June, if, depending on when you're listening to this, where they've got Rachel Heron on, talking about traditional versus indie. Rachel's been traditional and indie, and plot spoiler, she says she's indie. Uh, she, she's, she tells you all about trad experiences and says she's an indie, sort of through and through, really. So that's a must-listen-to episode. That's Next Level Authors. Always the creative pen with Joanna Penn. You know, she's been pumping those podcast episodes out for years. And I think we, we all hang on to every word she says. So always the creative pen podcast in your listening stack of podcasts. The New Author Podcast with Jerry and Lindsay Evanoff. I listen to the show every week. It's great. Well done, Jerry. Thanks for keeping it up. Always enjoy the show. Six Figure Authors, um, which I think if you, if, you, if you ask me to name the most useful podcast that would be the one six figure author podcast they're constantly talking about how to make money how to improve what you're doing i I don't like the guest interviews particularly i really like the ones with just the three authors um brilliant podcast six figure author podcast they're currently on a summer break but there's loads of back episodes to listen to there sell my book show (laughs) don't know what they were thinking of with that new theme music they've got at the beginning i I like the one before that that was the best theme music for me but um sell my book show you know it's it's a must listen isn't it i think sell my book show i actually really like it with uh, brian and claire i think they really bounce off uh, well it's become very very um, sort of humorous so i always enjoy sell my book show i think you've kind of got to listen to that to keep up with the news as well Rebel Author Podcast with Sasha Black. I always enjoy Sasha's author updates. I take or leave the like with Joanna Penns. It's the personal updates I listen to specifically. I take or leave the guest interviews depending on how interested I am with them. I also have to recommend the Alliance of Independent Author Podcasts. The question and answers are great. You know, Sasha Black, Orna Ross, Michael LeBron with Joanna Penn. Those are the episodes I particularly prioritise. Less interested in the author interviews, depending on who, who the guest is. But I always love the where they're sharing tips and, and, and advice and things like that. They're great. Self-publishing formula. Once again, I can take or leave the interviews, but I do like the Mark and James chats at the beginning and the end. I always listen to those bits. And essential listening are when they have the author makeovers. I can't remember what they call them, but they're, they're the bits where they get an author in, they look at their book cover, they look at their blurbs. Those, those episodes are brilliant, and they're must-listen, those episodes. Also, creative writing with Kirsten Oliphant. Kirsten has now stopped her podcast. Again, reading between the lines, she's just looked. She's doing really, really well with her books at the moment, Kiss, and it's so, so great to see her trajectory. And I think she's pretty well done what I've done, which is to say, what makes money, what doesn't, what's a distraction from writing, what isn't. And I think the podcast has gone because of that. But if you, if you haven't caught creative writing, she did some really excellent. She, I mean, the podcast has always been good. I've been listening for years, but towards the end of, of, of the podcast, she did loads of episodes specifically on how she was achieving her success, and they're well worth listening to. I've listened to the Story Studio for years. That's Johnny, Dave, and Sean. Um, it's disappeared at the moment. I think they're—I don't know what they're doing. Probably movie deals and things like that. Um, but I've obviously got a huge back catalogue. I mean, those guys are just so funny and so entertaining. If you've never heard it before, season two is well worth a listen. Season two, uh, they basically looked at the kind of the state of the nation with indie author, with being an indie author. They've got loads of great guests on. Season two, 
well worth a listen as a standalone. Um, you know, it's kind of timeless information. I also like listening to the author Preneur podcast by a former guest on this show, Amelia Hay. It's been a bit erratic because Amelia's sharing her workspace with her husband at the moment, but I always enjoy Amelia's updates as well. These are all kind of, you know, authors in the thick of it kind of updates, which I love. Uh, Kobo Writing Life podcast. Don't really enjoy the guest podcasts, but I do like the ones about marketing and promotion on Kobo. They're brilliant. And I always listen to John Cronshaw's Author Diary, which is more of a personal sort of author update, really, not so much of an, uh, a writer's update. But I always, you know, I like John. Uh, you know, I've known John for a long time now, and I like to hear what he's up to uh, every week. So I always prioritize listening to John Cronshaw's Author Diary as well. Those are the podcasts then that I suggest you listen to. Now I'm disappearing with my podcast and you'll get your weekly fix of author angst and things that are going on on a weekly basis. They're doing very much what I'm doing on this podcast. As far as the guests are concerned, I think most of us take or leave the guests. We pick and choose the ones that we like, but that's a really good balanced collection of podcasts, I feel, and that's what I shall be listening to as well. So how do we leave my indie author career as we conclude the show? So I was making some notes about this and I'm actually quite pleased. It feels like, again, a good point at which to rest the show. I had a look at some of the numbers and the figures and I can tell you that although I'm not a six-figure author year on year, I didn't manage to make that target. I am now a six-figure author in pounds, in British pounds and in American dollars in my entire author career. So I'm actually over £100,000 of earnings just on Amazon. I haven't even looked at the others, but just on Amazon alone, over £100,000 on Amazon and well over $100,000. It's about $130,000, £140,000, something like that um, in in the US in terms of when you express my earnings in dollars. So I am a six-figure author in total earnings on Amazon, and that does exclude Apple and Kobo and all the others. It's just easier to look at the sort of Amazon dashboard to get those numbers. I've also had four five-figure months and just as many KDP select bonuses because of those five-figure months. I've had four KDP select bonuses. I've had four five-figure months. And they all took place uh, about a year ago now. So April, May, June, and July 2020. My writing income, of course, has made the past nine months in Spain possible. So I took income uh, from the books, and that income has kept us going in Spain for nine months. It's allowed us to come to Spain. And also, because I've written so many books now, I was able to sell books that I've already written. I didn't actually, as it turned out, end up really writing very much. I think I wrote one non-fiction book and, and a little bit while I was out here. I haven't really done any writing in the last nine months. And so my earnings that I've made in the past year since January 2020 have helped achieve that. Now, I totted up my page reads, and this is astounding. I've now reached over 17 million page reads in total on Amazon. So those page reads, uh, here's the number that I took when I wrote these notes. It was 17,364,186 page reads. So again, although I said to you that things have quietened down considerably since those peak months of April, May, June, July 2020, I'm quite pleased with 17 million page reads. That's a pretty good uh, number. That feels reasonably decent. And also, I've now had 
books that are for sale, not just free. I've had many books that are for free in their number one slot in their paid chart, but I've now had paid for books at number one in their paid charts. And that was something that I was also very keen to achieve. Now, interestingly, I took a look at my breakdown for income. And for a long time on this podcast, I was saying to you that the majority of my income comes from the US, and then it's the UK after that. And then you're going into Australia and Canada and things like that. Well, it's very interesting that since I've had this success with my uh, 12-pack of books, I've now, my breakdown for income is now 50.8% Amazon.co.uk. So most of my sales now are in the UK and 42.9% of my sales are Amazon.com, so in the US. So that's an interesting breakdown and that has changed since I've been targeting this 12-pack because actually the 12-pack of the thrillers go better. They get better reviewed and received better in the UK. The other thing that I'm very pleased about is that 12-pack of books now has over 1,750 reviews. I think it was 1,754 when I made these notes, but it's over 1,750 reviews. So we're moving towards 2,000 reviews now on a single uh, book, and it's my most reviewed book ever. But what I'm particularly pleased about, bearing in mind that's 12 of my thrillers there, is that those 1,750 reviews mark the book or score the book at a 4.5 average. So as a body of work, I'm very happy with a 4.5 average on so many works, not just one individual book, but so many uh, you know, pieces of my work. I'm very pleased with that because you would expect over 12 books to get quite a range of of books in there and you might expect people not to like all of them so I'm happy with that 4.5 average that feels okay to me the the other thing as you leave me is that I've got my author salary in the bank for the next year so I got money in the bank until June 2022 so all those salaries are all banked and sitting there they're all earned and and that salary is there till June 2022 at the moment and obviously I keep adding to it as I earn more income and all my business expenses and my tax liabilities are paid until the end of this tax year so um, I've got uh, because I'm a limited company at the moment the the business tax year is at the end of June so it's literally as I'm recording this I've just had my business tax year and I got to pay tax from the business for the company this isn't personal tax uh, that money's in the bank and all put by and ready to pay and then in addition to that, I've got kind of another year's worth of salaries. I've got my book edits budgeted, my covers budgeted until the end of the year. So I'm in a very strong uh, financial position still, even though, as I've said to you, my earnings have considerably reduced since those heady days uh, of a year ago. And I've shared my knowledge with you, people like you who are listening to this podcast via 392 self-publishing podcast episodes and I've given many authors which I'm I'm really pleased about I didn't really realize this until we've been going for a little time but many authors I've been able to give their first ever podcast interview experience on the show so you know many of you have cut your teeth on this show and I'm pleased to say have become uh, you know good good friends as well at writing conferences and, and via chit chats on email and on social media I have thoroughly enjoyed my self-publishing journey to date, bearing in mind where I was when I started this podcast and where I am now. I regard myself as a very 
bottom middleweight kind of author but you know you don't have to be earning six and seven figures to make a difference to your life most of us are quite happy with five figures a lot of the time you know even though we tend to aspire to that don't get uh, you know deceived by the six figure number it's a high number to hit you know I didn't hit it last year you know what a good year I had last year actually five figures ain't bad for most of us so you know try and keep that in your sights as a financial goal and so I don't think that's a bad place to leave this podcast. It's a great sort of place for me to sign out on a positive note. Things are going well. I'm coming back to the UK, going to get writing again, going to get my impetus up and hopefully build and build and build. And that's what I would say to you, leaving this, keep going, writing series, write more books. It does get easier to make a reasonable amount of income the more books that you have. Okay, that is it from me. Thank you so much for your support and friendship throughout the duration of this podcast. I wish you only the best for your own writing careers. From me, Paul Teague, for the last time, bye-bye for now.